Hello, uh, welcome back to Is It Wet, the podcast where we are the rebellious auteurs of bringing family-friendly goop and glop on a budget. Think of us as your hot, clandestine spy parents telling you an oddly specific bedtime story that might be more personal than you think. Ooh, twist. Ooh. So I, many twists I, in this, <laughs> in this one. Oh, twisty, Ooh. turny movie. Uh, my name is Sophie. And I'm Caitlin. And today we will be asking our titular question, is it wet, about Robert Rodriguez's 2001 family blockbuster, Spy Kids. Oh, Spy Kids. Spy oh, Kids. man. Those kids with jobs, which one of my favorite <laughs> genres. Yeah, exactly. um, but, <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, we wanted I wanted to start with sort of, Caitlin, what was something wet about your last week? Or what's a piece of wet media you were thinking about this week? And again, when we say wet, we we don't mean, you know, we don't mean anything sexual. It's not sexual. It's it's something that we define as squelchy, sweaty, oozy, gloppy, dripping. Something you might see on Nickelodeon in the 90s and early 2000s. That's really what we mean by wet. Um, yeah, so Caitlin, do you have any critical wet moments from your past week? Um, I was thinking about that just then when you asked it and honestly i think i think the wettest thing was right before we started recording uh which is the thing that every podcaster should do before they record which is i ate a bunch of cheese (laughs) um so i think it's wet in the sense that it's it really gets me into character because yeah, you know your throat and your voice is gets all gloop, gloopy and gloppy yeah. and and phlegmy and mm-hmm. mucusy. So everyone knows it's the best. It's the best thing to do before you record, and I think it really yeah. is going to help get me into character. My fa- my favorite part of cereal is when she's like, "I'm Sarah Koenig, and I'm about to grate this Parmesan block into my mouth." Exactly. Yes, it um, was. It was weird in 2014. We were not ready for it, but like, it. You know, they, they, visionary. We really. We follow mainly in Sarah Kane Hicks' footsteps with this podcast. I think we anyone. Hope it has an, yeah, anyone yeah. would be able to tell that. We hope it has some real world consequences on legal cases out there. We don't know. It pro- probably. It probably. I think will. so. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Uh, what about what about you? What what was your critical wet moment this week? <laughs> Probably. So I, I think I have a few. I think I had a very wet week. Oh, um, nice. I started it last Sunday. I drank a can of coconut milk. <laughs> oh, wait, Which, coconut milk? Milk, like gloppy, the gloppiest thing imaginable. And okay. and I think, I think maybe um, a long recipe blog was like, oh, if you don't have almond milk, you can make a latte with two cups of coconut milk. For some people, and this includes me, 
you don't have a good reaction to that much, like, fat in your system. I spent 24 hours in bed, like, or 12 hours in bed just throwing up and just, like, incapacitated. And I just... Oh, no! It was incredible. It was gloppy. I had a full, like, coconut sweat sheen, uh, like, just coursing through my pores. It was disgusting. Oh, that's so wet. That's so gloppy. Oh, uh, no. Well, what was the second yeah. one? Um, I think the other one was I rewatched all of the Twilight movies, which... Oh, I'm jealous. I think <laughs> they're... Yeah, you should be. Uh, rewatched all of them. They're generally pretty dry movies, and I think Mormon vampires, they're going to be dry. Yeah. The birth scene in Breaking Dawn Part 1. The thing is, it is so graphic and, and like, disturbing and wet that I honestly, like, I know we're, and we'll probably get into a little bit of Tarantino, but I know that we're, like, eh, not so hot in Tarantino. I think it would have been a less disturbing scene if Quentin Tarantino had have directed it, I think it would have been more tasteful. I think it would have been better for women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it would have been more feminist. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> I think it would have, like, made me feel less like I would, like, all of my worst nightmares were being realized. If Quentin Tarantino had directed I think it would have been, I think, like, the blood, uh, I think it would have been great. So, Because that scene also, like, comes out of nowhere. Because up until this scene, the, I mean, vampire movies, I'm sure we will do some of them. Because Mm -hmm. I think they tend to be wet because it's the exchange of bodily fluids, right? With the exception of the Twilight movies, which are so sterile and, like, the most blood you see is, like, I don't know, maybe someone will cut their lip and then they'll, like, wipe it away and have a little trickle down the side of the yeah exactly yeah and then they'll get they'll smudge it and then it'll look sexy and that's like the most blood you see up until that scene and then it's just a crime scene yeah so that it also that's why it's so horrifying too because in a tarantino movie it's he's gonna do the whole thing tastefully it's not just gonna be one like not so thing that you're not prepared for so in in conclusion Quentin Tarantino for your 10th and final movie just do the birth scene from Breaking Dawn part one yeah just Um, do like a a close reading of that scene just do a full feature length movie on that scene you're still a fucked up person and director like the things that you've done and this would this uh would be a less fucked up thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. Oh my god. I have one final story that oh, will yes. lead us into spy kids. Um I was in my parents' backyard just now uh, or a few minutes hours ago and it was dusk and uh, we were over a fire, and from the woods, a five-year-old child just came out, this little girl, following a dog, but, like, she just came out from the woods, and we were like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> and she just confidently just walked across the backyard, and it's very witty. And then, like, 
three minutes later, her father, her German father comes in. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Esther, just she wanders, she wanders here. I'm so sorry. And I was just like, this is very strange. But then I was like, that's a spy kid. That is <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was like, I think, stop. I was so judgmental. I was like, what is an unaccompanied child? No, it's a child with a job. Yes, exactly. Did, now, wait, did you hear uh, Esther speak? Uh, I did not, no. So that, exactly, that's how we know she's a spy kid, because she obviously wasn't hooked up to the third brain, and that's why <laughs> she can't, that's why she can't talk. So, oh, you, so you, you think she's one of the, the robot, the minions oh, robots. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you meant. But then, because I think the only spy kids are those two kids, the Cortez children. Car- Carmen and Judy. yeah. I, I think that's correct. Yeah. And and yes. now Esther. Yes. Yeah. So shout out to all the the working spy kids who are keeping us safe doing espionage. Yep. <laughs> um, oh boy. Oh man. So so spy kids. Oh, spy kids. Two thousand one spy kids. This movie just like is two thousand one. <laughs> like this is just Yeah. Yeah. Everything I remember about two thousand one is in this movie (laughs) yeah uh it just it truly just embodies that sort of turn of the millennium aesthetic that was really just spoon-fed to children and and again i think this is a quintessential kids film of that time if not the most quintessential kid friendly blockbuster of all time the jokes, the set decoration, the effects, the 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 whimsy—it's just all. It just all is is so two thousand one. So for me, what makes this movie so so incredibly wet, the most wet thing about this movie it, are the noises for me, and yes, I yes. feel like Robert Rodriguez just learned how learned all of this foley. Uh, art and learned how to do like sound effects and was like I I need to find a way to chop all chop a bunch of squelchy noises together and and then he was like I'm gonna jack the volume on every squeaky squelchy sound up to up as high as it can go and that was um how he made this movie <laughs> and and it, he, he struck gold and I think we're going to, like, keep talking about Robert Rodriguez because, like, I actually think that Robert Rodriguez truly and perhaps, like, more than any other director will probably cover on this podcast is an auteur. Oh, yes. Like, for people who don't know, he produces, directs, writes, edits, does does is like the director of photography the is sometimes on his films the camera operator the composer the production designer the visual effects supervisor and the sound editor and he edited spy kids in his like in his garage like at his home so every squelch every decision about what terrifying facial prosthetic to zoom up on is his decision like he had a hundred percent 
control over how wet this movie is. And I just, again, it's, this will probably be very, this is probably a very unique situation. Yeah, I think so too. That he, the movie, yeah, looks and sounds the way it does because of everything Robert Rodriguez did. And he, he like had the idea for the movie long before it was made but he just knew Mm -hmm. he had a vision for it and knew what he Mm -hmm. needed it to look and most importantly to me sound like uh (laughs) so he just he was like i'm just gonna wait till special effects gets good enough that i can do what i want to do with it in my garage and then he like 2000 the year 2000 when you know when they he must have been editing it all that's when he chose to strike and oh boy am I glad he did because he just achieved such a goopy shiny plasticky movie (laughs) it is it is like yeah it is like the sensation of the wrapper around a happy meal toy if you just like quickly crinkled that next to your earlobe while in a McDonald's ball pit. Like, that is the experience of watching this movie. Like, it is very visceral. In, in every, on every level, the, the set decoration, the effects, the acting, the hair gel, the makeup choices, it's all the, the effects. It's just all, it's all there. And his logo, I, I, I imagine... <laughs> Just a very, very wet, a very wet logo, Troublemaker Studios. It's, and just the font. The font just looks like Microsoft uh, Word word art. Yes. From from the 2000s. It probably was. (laughs) He was just in his garage. It probably was. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And so, yeah, this movie, I think, above every... Thing. I think it is less dank and oozing as The Matrix. Right. And, and grimy. It's, and it's also not, mm-hmm. it's not super sweaty, I don't no, think. No, it's not sludgy. Yeah, it's it's very melty. Yes, melty it's is very... a word that I kept using also, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, got, it's got a strong, strong, strong Nickelodeon. Influence. Oh yeah, it's it's up there. Just starting at the beginning with Junie, who has the the biggest character arc in the film. Yes, and his finger warts. Mm. But <laughs> mm. that's one of the first things that happens is is you got a little kid just pouring some goop on warts, and he has the warts because he's always too sweaty. Which I just said <laughs> the movie wasn't sweaty, so now I'm contradicting myself. But literally the only thing in the movie is that's sweaty. And we don't see it. We don't see no. his hands being sweaty. He just says his hands are sweaty all the time. Because he's and, scared. Right. And the, the, I think the point is that he's kind of scared and, like, he has a difficult relationship with his sister or a, a sibling, normal sibling rivalry yeah. relationship. But his arc is really defined by him being like, I no longer have this probably medical condition. Yeah, I like why didn't he just go see a doctor? Or I guess he did and they were like put this goop on him. 
put this goop on your warts. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, and right. I just think, also, uh, uh, while we're on, while we're talking about Junie, mm-hmm. the actor who plays Junie at that time just had like a constant little kid stuffed up nose <sighs> voice, and it like it sounds like he always needs to blow his nose, and you know he has like a constantly dripping nose, and he's covered in snot, so that. That just adds like a huge layer of of guckiness on there for me because he every time he talks I'm like oh just he's just yep. like a snotty little kid yeah yeah exactly and I do want to start with the opening um, framing device of, oh yeah uh, yeah and. I- I'm going to need to pod this podcast to look look up, pod this podcast, to look up how you pronounce Carla Gugino. And I just want, like, Carla Gugino, who has only, not that there's anything wrong with aging, but she is clearly aging backwards. Most of my notes are Carla Gugino, um, the sort of written equivalent of a fan cam of her. (laughs) I love her. I like, I know, I know it's probably past like Carla, I mean, I know we're trying to get Kevin Costner on the pod. I, no, we want Carla. We want to get some uh, Gugino yeah. up in here. Yeah. I'm going to try to be, I'm going to try to, you know, keep my, keep my enthusiasm for her, but her and Antonio Banderas. Oh, I know. It's, it, they are so, they're such a sexy couple. <laughs> they're perhaps the hottest cinematic parents, like, of all time. Like, yeah. And it's just, and they both have sort of slicked back Trinity hair. Yes. Um, Antonio Banderas has like the mustache that he takes on, and I, I was not following the mustache as a device through it. No, I did, tried. Did see I purposely tried to. I was like, what is he? I honestly think it was like a thing that they had set up and then in editing they lost a bunch of times that the mustache yeah. thing happened and then it, it like I think it was probably gonna be a bigger thing yeah I couldn't yeah. figure that out either yeah yeah um, okay good but I'm yeah, glad Antonio... I was like am I missing something <laughs> uh <laughs> no and yeah Antonio Banderas in a leather trench coat <sighs> is the wettest thing oh yeah in this movie yeah. like yeah uh so yeah, um, so Carlo Gugino's framing device is this story. Yeah, we're just we get the introduction of the use of bubble gum as oh, a spy, yes, yes. as spy equipment again that you have to masticate it and yeah. then scrunch it up and throw it so it just kind of sticks, just kind of squelches on things. It's or it's... you or you hawk it up at <laughs> someone. That happens towards the end. Junie hawks it up. Like yeah. a loogie, and I was like, "That's disgusting." And it, and again, every time we talk about a sound effect happening, you have to imagine it's like the sound of that bubble popping being blown up and popped. Yeah, is yep. insane. Like there, <laughs> it doesn't match. <laughs> I was like, "That's not bubble gum." Again, he's doing his best. He's in the garage. He's. I mean, I think it was on purpose. He. <laughs> yeah, I think he course. knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. <laughs> of um, course, this is his his vision 
for for the Spy Kids universe. Um, in the story, when she's like explain showing her spy activity, I think she has she takes off two wigs at one point. Yeah. Like she's blonde, yes. and then she gets a brown wig, and then she gets an elevator, and then it's finally like her. Like, yeah, her hair I thought just, that too. I was like, did she change wigs or take one off the other? And then where did she put all her stuff? She had different clothes on too. I think maybe the idea is that maybe, and I like do not want to speak ill of what is just the just sexiest uh, movie couple of all time. I think maybe they're not good spies hmm. <laughs> because the main thing we see Antonio Banderas do is is take a mustache on and off, and then her take off several wigs. And we can get into George Clooney affirming that that theory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he's like, uh, no, I wasn't talking to you. Fuck off. <laughs> I was talking to the 10-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Um, or, yeah, no, not a lot of, not a lot of explanation given. Not a lot of background on OSS. <laughs> um, what their deal, what... I think they're a global, a global network. I don't think they're specific. I don't know if they're specific to one country. Again, I think this is this movie takes place on a whimsical parallel Earth, yes. and I'm I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep okay. The whimsical parallel Earth. I want us to remember that phrase. I don't want to spoil a character that I'm sure we're going to talk about later, but. This character uh, exists in many different movies. Oh yes, and yes. and so mm-hmm. so actually, one of the explanations for this character being in multiple uh, movies that are in wildly different genres is that this is a magical, mystical parallel universe, <laughs> and it's not the same character. Uh, I yeah. choose to believe that it is the same character, but but <laughs> yes. yeah, this it very yeah. well maybe. Yeah. So we're getting to what I consider the first critical wet moment of the movie is yeah. for me. Because mm-hmm. a lot of this movie is like, what makes this movie wet for me is the sounds and mm-hmm. the the words people are using and how it all sounds in your mouth. And when they introduce floops fooglies, yeah. I lost my mind. Yeah. Because that's just that's that's just that's just a wet goddamn name right there if I've ever heard one, you know. It's just feel how floops fooglies feels in your mouth when you say it, you know. I wrote down, this is an etymological horror. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I like. It's not only you hear the word and then you see what a fugly is yeah and you understand its place in the plot and i oh yeah yeah (laughs) just like everything about the animation in floops fooglies is wet and horrifying it's body horror you are not gonna get a wetter sequence (laughs) On every level, an auteur wetness on the level of the Floops Fooglies TV show for children. Yes. <laughs> that uses um, trapped secret agents speaking backwards. Which, which again, I actually, I actually think 
That is brilliant. Um, oh yes, I know when they reverse it. Uh, yeah, I love I love that little that little jingle when they reverse it. Yeah, which I'll play right here. Loop is a madman. Help us save us. Loop is a madman. Help us save us. Loop is a madman. Help us save us. Loop is a madman. Help us. Yeah. I also that it, it is not just a TV show, but it, he is like a mogul. That because you see in one yeah. su- one scene they have ser- floop cereal. Yeah, yeah. So he is just, and he clearly has his tentacles in Junie. So this is like, on many levels, Floop, Fagin Floop, is one of the wettest characters and premises of all time. Oh, absolutely. I love him, even though he he's, mm, spoiler alert, not technically the villain, yeah. <laughs> he, that was a fun he, twist. I didn't uh, remember that. Uh, yeah. I like that was that was unexpected. Yeah. I like that he is a villain in the vein of Lord Licorice, who was a very important uh dark figure in my childhood, a figure of fear and and just bewilderment as a child playing Candyland. I was yeah. like, what is this guy's deal? His castle's weird. His whole deal just was for me terrifying oh yeah and and really uh floops uh virtual virtual room just like it's it's on that level all right oh yeah yeah and and he lives floop lives in a his castle is a drip sand castle <laughs> like so specifically a drip sand castle which first of all is my favorite type of sandcastle. It's mm-hmm. I, I don't get excited about building sandcastles, except I will build a drip sandcastle. And most importantly, it's the goopiest sandcastle you could ever... It's made out of goop. It's made out of drips of goop that, that dries into a goopy... Do you know Do you know what I'm talking about when I say a drip yes. sandcastle? Yep. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so... I, it's I loved disgusting. that detail. Yeah. I love that detail. Because, again, if you're on the beach, it's not necessarily going to be mm-hmm. wet ex- with the exception of a drip sandcastle and that's what they yeah. went with i loved mm-hmm. it yeah and again i appreciate so much of this movie while at the same time it is my aesthetic horror a horror show for me aesthetically yeah um... <laughs> it is a visceral nightmare again i i appreciate so much and I appreciate camp, and I appreciate, uh, you know, I love love maximalism. Like, I appreciate that, but I don't think that I would want to li- live in Floop's... I'm going to say it. I don't want to live in Floop's castle. No. I don't... E- I mean, at any point, the floor is going to drop out in puzzle pieces, and sometimes it's just a piece of glass over a hole and sometimes it's an actual hole so you know it's it is it's a nightmare to live in floops castle no one yeah no one would want to live there the virtual room is just swirling nonsense it's just swirling clouds Mm. and swirling goop it's it's just a bunch of swirly stuff yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand what the virtual room is, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't understand. You know, it is a, it, it's a wet, it is a wet room though. I think it's like a Matrix training floppy disk. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. then after the virtual room, 
much like the Matrix, they like, did you notice they get sucked down a tube? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then deposited somewhere. I kind of forget. But yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. When, yeah. Carla Gugino and Antonia Banderas, get, they, they accidentally end up in the virtual room and then they get sucked down a tube right into Floop's trap. Again, I think that between the years of like 1999 to 2004, we weren't sure if we could root for a protagonist unless we had seen them just be suctioned through a pneumatic tube or a, <laughs> yes. a gunk. It's like if if unless we see you go through that trial, I don't know if I can believe that that you have sufficiently you're not sufficiently on the hero's journey if you haven't yeah. gone through a series of tubes i i'm sorry you can't you cannot embark on this adventure no um <laughs> i would like to talk about what i see as the most charming but the but perhaps also the most grating is the use of quips and kids humor I think this is like the pinnacle of that, of those sort of like quips and use of of sort of naughty words in yes. ways that just killed at this time. That would just, I remember people quoting this movie, like this would just absolutely kill in, a, in, in movie theaters. So like, what was your, because uh, we were, I was probably like 11 when this movie came out. Yeah. What was your... Re did you have a relationship to this movie as a child? Uh, yes. In that a lot of my friends liked it. And mm -hmm. we were really excited for it. I remember, like, leading up to Spy Kids, like, watching mm -hmm. the commercials. It was a huge deal. And we were really excited for it. And then I saw it. And I don't know if I saw it in theaters or not. But, I'm, but I watched it with friends, like right around when it came out and I remember just being like really horrified by it the same way that I in in the way that I always am with with these wet movies where <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated by it and I can't look away but it like yeah. also turns my stomach yes, a little bit yeah. mm -hmm. and I think I yeah something about this movie didn't didn't really grab me as a child I, I I don't know. I wasn't on board with it as a kid and I'm barely on board with it now. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. My relationship wasn't it was it was uh, very detached, I think. Yeah. I think I think I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I knew um what auteur cinema was. <laughs> so I don't think I, <laughs> I could why appreciate we didn't that. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that Robert Rodriguez likely did a lot of the the visual effects. Very, very impressive now. Yeah, as a child, you know this about me. I was like, I think I would have wrongfully seen myself as kind of above this movie. Like yeah. I, I was a very serious sort of... I think I had what the kids call these days a bad case of main character syndrome where I was just like, ugh. I just, I can't believe this is what the children find funny yeah. and are engaging <laughs> with. For context, my favorite movies growing up were the Hallmark Channel back in the day, or Hallmark Production Company, uh -huh. did these three-hour miniseries. Uh, in 1998, they did 
Merlin, starring Sam Neill, which I talk about a lot yes. <laughs> as <Yes>. an improviser. <laughs> I draw from it a lot. That was my favorite episode. They all, uh, favorite movie of my childhood. Very adult themes. So it's pretty wet. It's fairly wet. My other favorite thing was they also did like a five hour version of the Odyssey. And I loved that. I was like, I love the Odyssey. Like, I like really, like that was, that was fun. So yeah, I think I was more into the Odyssey than Spy Kids. <laughs> yeah, they're on pretty polar opposite uh, ends of ends of the genre spectrum there. And like, I sound like an insufferable child. <laughs> no, I, I also I think I also like saw myself a little bit above this movie when it came yeah, out. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember seeing it and just being like. That's so goofy. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's clearly for kids. Yeah, and I I am I am a little a little adult. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I, yeah, I also I think I like ha- did have an appreciation for it as a kid. I was like, I you know it's not for me, but like I I get I get what it's doing, mm-hmm. and I I get why people like it. Yeah, it was just I don't I don't know how to put this, but. I don't want to say the writing is bad because it it's not but the 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 lines were really um cheesy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I think purposefully. I think that's what's kind of like the point is that yeah. they I wrote them down like ugh, homework. Oh, I just peed. Yeah. <laughs> uh Oh, I, I did like the whole, like, she keeps calling him Booger Brains. Yes. Meathead. And he's like, I'll call you something. Diaper lady. Yeah. And, like the, and the reveal that she's the one who wears diapers. That legit. That, that was a legitimately, bigger reveal. That was a bigger reveal yeah. than the Shaloub is the real bad guy reveal. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That and, was a... and arguably told me more about her character than the fact that a 10-year-old is taking trips, unsupervised <laughs> trips to Belize twice yeah. a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah. one of the lines that I wrote down, I think the only line I wrote down, is, what's the girl's name again? Carmen. Oh, yeah. Carmen says to Junie, stop shaking or you'll give yourself more warts. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> And again, I didn't have a brother, so I don't know if this is, like, normal banter that you have with a brother. But I will say that that the dialogue, that these quips, extremely squelchy. Like, extremely Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. Oh, shiitake mushrooms. That, legitimately... The whole Kids' Choice Awards is on, like, on the ground laughing. Like, yeah. that that kills. And I remember people quoting, they were like... Oh, yeah. Because, again, the, 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 the permission to say a bad word and to, like, or talk about poop or talk about boogers. Like, it is... Yeah, it is an important childlike discovery of, of uh, sort of playing around with your sense of humor and... Pushing the, the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Pushing the boundaries, Yeah. Yeah, I know that that line was huge. Like that's what I that's the one thing that I really remembered about Spy Kids was that line because it was yeah, it was the first time it's like, "Oh, you have permission 
to kind of swear to like pretty much get away with swearing because <laughs> if yes, you say this yeah. and her delivery alexa vega's delivery of that line is so yep. perfect oh shit talking mushrooms she must have practiced that well like, yeah. obviously she practiced it but yeah it's just so because it's so like seamless she holds it out for just long enough that you think she's gonna that she says it and that oh it's so good and then okay so speaking of the nickelodeon kids choice awards mm-hmm. the second critical wet moment uh mm-hmm. for me in this movie is after carlo gugino and antonio banderas get caught they try to escape and floop catches them they have a meal uh together yeah, uh of Nickelodeon slime. I'm, don't you think that's what, it, I kept looking at it and being like, where did they get that? Like, is this, was this a Nickelodeon movie? I had to look it up and make sure it wasn't a Nickelodeon movie, because it's not. And I was like, it's they like, had to have just had, there was no reason for that green goop to be there. There was so much other stuff on the table, and yet all three of them are just spooning themselves that green glob. Uh, that was like there's so many other things on the table and just like it was just like yeah just mark summers is in the back just piping in hot hot nickelodeon slime i feel like there's no other explanation because i was literally thinking this has to be a nickelodeon movie and they just had an abundance of slime lying around and because we know robert rodriguez is thrifty uh this movie Mm -hmm. was a very another very low budget i think this is a theme that we're going to this might be a theme that we find because matrix also shoestring budget so i think goop is just goop is just cheap and they're like all right we gotta we have so much goop we've blown everything else in the budget we have just a little bit left over for goop so we really gotta structure these last scenes around (laughs) the goop because that's all we have the money left for (laughs) And that's how you got this scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say, I've been trying to think of, like, what the interior decoration reminds me of. Mm. And it's it's very um, Susian. It's also, yes, like, the yes. inside of a, of a Snippets. What's a Snippets? <laughs> oh, is Snippets a Massachusetts-based thing? I think so. Oh, no. We're looking up snippets now. Okay, so snippets was like, it, it may still be a thing. It's a children's hair salon where the inside is decorated like really wacky, like really Nickelodeon like. And snippets. Snip, snip. I would tell them it's really fun because no grown ups get their hair done, just kids. Oh yeah. man, I wish I had that in Minnesota growing up. It was up. so fun, and I am, I am shocked that it is a. It is just seems to be in Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> but also, but Susie, and for sure, and I, yeah. I hadn't come. I was also struggling to sort of label what the um, design aesthetic was. Um, oh, yes. I, I didn't come up with that. I'm so glad you said it. Yeah, I yep. was specifically thinking of, um, it's like the thumb thumbs, like, oh, okay. yeah. common room 
I kept thinking of it as like their, their comic because there was like a beanbag chair. There were like a bunch yeah, of beanbag yeah. chairs and then a bunch yeah. of like huge melty picture frames. Yeah, oh, but it, it was the the thumb thumbs. The thumb thumbs. Oh man, I do love that that Robert Rodriguez said that he created the thumb thumbs as a child. Like he drew a picture of them as a oh, child, yeah. and yeah. and I do love that. And he was really, I think, really thinking of their perspective, and he was definitely had a ch- sense of childlike wonder. Yes. And the thumb thumbs again original (laughs) yeah honestly there hasn't been anything like that that i've seen (laughs) and no explanation like the (laughs) fooglies are given an explanation the child soldiers the child robots Robots, are uh are given are given an explanation the thumb thumbs like they're like, don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, they're real. And you see, you see like a little factory of them being made. Yes. But yeah. that still doesn't really explain anything. It just raises yeah. more questions. Like, <laughs> why are there, why are there gendered thumb thumbs? Um, <laughs> the, the, this like sexy yeah. fingernail nurse. Yeah. yeah like, why are they gendered? <laughs> yeah. So really, I wish we hadn't gotten into the, the backstory. Of what the is the thumbs? nature of the consciousness? Like, yeah. can they see? Yeah. Yes. Truly, truly a melty, just plasticky goodness. Yeah. Deliciousness that I love. So we haven't talked about it yet. I can't believe mm-hmm. it. But um, ho- holy shit, talky mushrooms, Machete is in this movie. Yes. I did yes. not realize that. Yep. I did not mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Because the last time I saw this movie was as a child, like shortly after it came yeah. out. And I mm-hmm. would have had no idea. Well, he, he like wasn't. He like this was his origin. This is his origin. Yep. How yep. this literally blew my mind. Like, <laughs> this is all I'm going to think about for the next week. That it's like canon that Machete comes from Spy Kids. Right, yeah. yeah. And and what I alluded to earlier was like, I, th- I forget who. I think it's Robert Rodriguez's explanation is it's an alternate, their alternate yeah. universe yeah. Machetes. Like, it's not technically the same guy. But I think Danny Trejo has been like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we all lead double lives. Like we can be a loving uncle. Yes. And 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 machete machete. I think like that is definitely pro- what is going. Like no, I can't say definitely, but oh man, Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Just I just excellent. I love. I was like really confused because he was like, I'm not gonna help you. By the way, here is how to operate and where I keep my 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 ship. Yeah, and then he like he pretends to chase them, and then he like... right, but he purposely <laughs> wanted. To, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he really does el- elevate the movie, and and I w- honestly I wish there was more. I wish we got more Machete products, and oh man, I know. I I wish that was yeah. That was one thing I kept thinking was I wish. We got more of him, too. But I think a lot of people thought that. And then I think that's why we got a whole lot more of Machete afterward. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I don't think we were the only ones demanding more Machete. 
Oh, uh, okay. So I want to briefly touch on uh, Tony Shaloub because yes. the name Shaloub is so wet and slippery. I think yep. it. I think it should honestly be a word that's added to our list of definitions. Like you, like you could be like, oh, I, oh, I threw that gack at the wall and it just shalooped right <laughs> down the wall. <laughs> um i yeah it has the word lube in it which i love i think yeah yeah luby just lubricated yeah a very interesting maybe one of the first like twist villains in children's media and his name literally minion so you think that he's the minion of Alan Cumming's character, which, by the way, Alan Cum- Alan Cumming. Oh yeah, having him in the clouds. Sleep. Yeah. Oh, I was like, I didn't know this was a thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> but giant Alan Cumming in the clouds, being like, "Hey, yeah, that's a wet icon right there, and a just a shiny wet icon is giant Alan Cumming mm-hmm. in the swirly clouds with." <laughs> with a child <laughs> no no again the adult i think maybe if i had been more into this movie with Car- carla gugino and and antonio banderas and alan cumming maybe i would have learned like oh i, I might be bisexual like that oh, might I, be yeah. what, maybe i would have realized it earlier in in my or my origin story because it's you're like all right got it it's it's clear no, I'm the, I'm the same way. I, I think I watched this movie and was like, who am I supposed to think is the hottest? Like, when, <laughs> oh, which one? Because it's all of them. It's it's Danny Trejo. But it's but Danny besides Trejo. that, it's he Danny Trejo. Did, hands Danny down. Trejo did look adorable in this movie because I like yeah, I thought yeah. of him like with the image of Machete I have in my head, and then I saw him and I was like, oh, he's it's like a sweet cute machete <laughs> yeah yeah no there he it was very good yeah alan coming in the clouds <laughs> yeah that was really good uh i really loved at the end when tony shalhoub tried to sit in that giant gold hand but the hands were also little heads <laughs> or the fingers were also little heads that giant gold chair and he he like can't sit on it because it's so slippery and it's just like squeegee noises and i'm like i i was watching it and i was like that is not even close to the sound that 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 you're making me look at that chair and then you have this sound and that is a hundred percent not the sound that that chair would make but it's so i i love that's part of it too i was like the the dissonance (laughs) is i really hope that in every single one of the films that we do there is a completely incongruous uh foley squeegee noise that is distracting (laughs) that doesn't fit with the scene that is so wet i think even like squeegee as a word oh yeah the word squeegee squeegee and it happens multiple times where the gold chair and then earlier when when Antonio Banderas thinks that he can make that mm-hmm. jump and then he oh no then more puzzle pieces fall away and he can't make the jump but oh it's, it's okay it's just a piece of glass and then it takes him like a very long time to get up off of the glass 
Yeah. You're yeah. like, you're yeah. like, oh yeah. <laughs> that for me was a critical wet moment. The, the smush features yes. that stick to the glass and then it's like, there's glue and you're just like, Bleh. yeah, that was, that was a critical. And then he like, it takes him so long to get up and it's squeegeeing the entire time. And I'm like, it's, yeah. it's just a pane of glass. Like he's not on ice. He's not wearing roller skates. Like he, he can just get up. Uh, but they need yeah. all those all those squeegee noises. Uh, I I know. I mean, we're two oh, we're two for two in the squeegee foley <laughs> movies. I I I do. I hope the streak continues. I hope it's like a Wilhelm scream where it's like it's like we gotta put a, yeah uh, a random squeegee noise into this just the wet movie. I will say I want to hear out. I want to hear out Minion's plan. I, I think it could have worked. So wait, what yeah. was the plan? What I gathered is that he was making robot children to look like the children of heads of states. Yes, okay. So, that... so at first I thought he was kidnapping children who are heads of state, of children of heads of states. But I think it was the idea is maybe that, sows, that then sows chaos. Because they'll go out there and do diabolical things. Looking like the most important children in the world. Yes. Well, yeah. so that does even okay. They're they're not they're not the actual children. They just yes. are facsimiles yeah. of the children that does don't sound like the children, and until they get the third brain, and then they can sound like the children. Yeah. <laughs> but how do they get them to look like the children? Do you just need a picture, or do you need like a scan of like? I don't know. I think with the trans, I don't know if the transmorgify or, uh. Oh yeah, they do just need a picture, process. You're right. I think they just need a, yeah. Again, this is, yeah, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard sci-fi film. It there's, is. There, there's a process. I, what is the third brain? I tried the whole movie to figure out what that means. Were there two other ones? I don't get what the third brain means. <laughs> That's what they I don't know. I, maybe that. That's a reference. Yeah, I, listen, I looked up this movie on JSTOR. I was like, <laughs> I need some context. I was really trying to, like, get as much, like, as much knowledge and, and criticism of this movie as possible. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's possible that, it's possible that's some sort of scientific term. I also had a question about what, so, Floop is left with, like, is tasked with like changing the code of the robot kids so that they don't attack the family and kill them. And then Floop mm -hmm. is like, I've got it. I'll base it on Junie or something. Yep. And then that's like it. And I want, yeah. and, and then you, you know later that the kids, the robot kids are going out like doing good deeds. Yeah. What, yeah. what did Floop change in the code? Like what, that kid, they just like want to do good things. Yeah, I think through his friendship with Junie, he learned what true bravery <laughs> and being a heroic child is like. So he was like, I can easily translate that. <laughs> At one point, he was like, "It's a binary." <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I was like, "Yeah, yep, yeah, got you." <laughs> and and oh my god, the the one part that. 
legitimately made me laugh out loud is when he's trying to do it and it says it's too late on on the on the screen oh, he's like i hope i'm not too late and the screen say it's too late which is just a wonder like a wonderful visual like meta storytelling yeah. telling that i was like my other favorite part was like uh have a seat mr lith and he says it's lisp which yeah that was word wordplay that word was play. fantastic I lost it at the end when they, okay, so it's like, okay, Antonio Banderas is like, all right, we got 500 kids here. I'll take the 100 on the left. You take the 100 on the right. And and then, okay, Machete comes and we can do, okay, now there's five of us. We can each do 100. And then they like show you the kids and there's like 20 kids. <laughs> Yeah. And then they show all the kids running past them. Yeah. And it, it's, they're like struggling to make it look like it's a lot of kids. And yeah. Yeah. there's supposed to be 500 of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, I also enjoyed, enjoyed that. Uh, I think that's also like a lovely whimsical hyperbole. Yeah, that's true. That, because that he, yeah. Robert Rodriguez do, like has gone on record saying that he wanted this movie to be like yeah viewed from a childlike wonder mm-hmm. uh what like a yeah from the perspective of someone with childlike wonder and so mm-hmm. those types of like huge hyperboles of like oh yeah mm-hmm. it's like i'll just take out these 100 and you get that 100 like that's such a little kid mm-hmm. thing to do yeah exactly I something I didn't share about Robert Rodriguez. I don't know if you found this part, um, but this is just a lovely story from from his his childhood. Is and it says a lot about his. I think filmmaking is while studying in St. Anthony High School Seminary in San Antonio. Robert was commissioned to videotape the football games of his school. His sister recalls that he was fired from the work because he had shot the game in a cinematic style, and instead of shooting the whole game, he shot the ball sailing through the air and capturing the reactions of the parents. Like, truly. Oh my god, I love him. That's amazing. (laughs) I I also love... I love that he... um, I'm sure you saw this too, but that he walked Alexa Vega down the aisle the yeah. the girl who plays carmen yeah 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 that he he walked he walked her down the aisle at her wedding and i'm like mm-hmm. oh that's watching this movie and seeing her and i was like oh that's so sweet yeah her shirt in the fi- the finale mm-hmm. is so 2000s like i, I know. know i wore shirts like that like the the two-toned kind of with the rhinestones on it the choker the armband like just truly truly deep those deep that limited to claire's shininess that i that i that i loved at that time that i was not too serious of a child to (laughs) (laughs) indulge in yeah yeah when i put away the odyssey i went to claire's (laughs) oh Sometimes we all have to just put down the Odyssey for a moment and go to Claire's. Pick out some pick out some sparkly jewelry for the Sadie Hawkins oh, yes. dance. Yep. So should we go through our list of 
definition or our, our list of words yeah. that, that define the concept of wetness and see what, yeah. so we, should we mm-hmm. see what kinds of things jump out at us as, um, yeah, because, because this, while it's one of the wettest movies out there, uh, mm-hmm. it does have a particular brand of wetness that's mm-hmm. different from the matrix. It's less mm-hmm. grimy, less sweaty, uh, less stinky, uh, and when I say stinky, I guess I mean like something that looks or sounds like it would stink. It's less of that and uh, more squeaky and slimy and <laughs> and uh, bubbly. Yeah, slurpy. That's another good word for it. Yeah, I think it's a slurpy movie. It's it's at times glopping. Uh, there's a sheen, a shininess, a sliminess, melty. a meltiness. Oh, melty for yeah. sure. I would say it's a clean, wet movie rather than a grimy, wet movie like Blade Runner yes. or The Matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, things yeah. aren't things aren't drenched. Nobody's nobody's mm-hmm. like covered in slime or wetness. It's just featured a lot. And mm-hmm. it, the people are wearing it and embodying it. And again, the sounds, this, the jacked up Foley sounds in this movie are like, yeah, they're, it's like more than half of what makes this movie wet for me. And rubbery, rubbery and plastic. Rubbery, rubbery, plasticky. Oh because my God, we are getting a lot the, of good ones. Because the CGI, mm-hmm. there was a good amount of it, but Again, it was the perfect time to make this movie because the CGI was like just okay enough where it worked, but it was still really shiny and plasticky and not mm-hmm. not yeah. um yeah, those like really smooth all all, all CGI surfaces were uh, were smooth. Um so I will say my my question for you is You don't you don't have any holes? Nope. Oh, this, you might not want to put this in because this is a kid's movie. Did you discover any new holes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this is a kid's movie. We might not want to. I, well, it's a kid's movie, but this, I don't know that this is a kid's podcast. So. Right, exactly. It's not, yeah. So, I mean, maybe the the hole in this movie is, is really that you should trust your family with your secrets. That, but, okay, I did have a whole thing with this movie. So I kept thinking I missed something, but I really watched every second of it. I didn't miss anything. Okay, the hole at the beginning that Antonio Banderas tries to jump over and he lands on the glass. Yeah. Okay, then later at the end of the movie, that same yep. thing happens to Carmen and she falls yep. down the hole. Yep, it, it's a subversion of expectations that... <laughs> And much like the belly button, yeah. sometimes something's going to go in there, sometimes it's going to be fine. That's what I'm saying. That's why that's my, um, that's that was my hole for Schrodinger's belly button. Schrodinger's belly button. That's really my, that's the theory that we're working with that cropped up in, in the Matrix episode. And yeah, let's look <laughs> for holes that are sometimes holes and sometimes not holes. That's going to be another theme. <laughs> Um, all right, so the the verdict. Yeah, yes, the verdict. I, I have one. I would say this movie is as wet as 
Mark Summers cooking a meal of slime in the cafeteria cafeteria at the Clown Juice Factory. Oh, yes. I love it. That's exactly how wet it is, too. It's Yeah. That's ex- yep. That is exactly how wet it is. Um, I'm going to, I won't always do this, but uh, this week I am going to give it another number ranking. Yeah. As long as we rank it, that's that's what's important for the verdict. So this one I'm going to give mm-hmm. 7 out of 10 Bonnie Bell Lip Smackers Flip Gloss Tubes. Ooh. You remember those? Ooh. Ugh. I do. I do. So yeah. sexy and sleek <laughs> and uh, Lip Smackers Flip Gloss. Lip Smackers. Lip, lip Smackers gloss. Flip Gloss Floops. Or floops, fooglies. <laughs> Bonnie Bell lip smackers, flip gloss, flop. <laughs> Shit, I'm gonna get it right. Bonnie, but, okay. Bonnie Bell lip smackers, flip gloss, floops, fooglies. <laughs> yes. Wait, you said flip gloss. Yeah. Oh, it is flip gloss. Yeah. Uh, okay, Bonnie Bell lip smackers, lip gloss. Flips Fooglies. Almost. It's bon- what is- Bonnie Bell Lip Smackers Flip Gloss <gasps> Floops Fooglies. Oh, it is Fooglies. Bonnie Bell Lip Smackers Flip <laughs> Flip Gloss Floops Flog Fluggies. Yeah, that's what, that was really close. <laughs> I. That's how we have to end it. It did. Uh, yeah. Sponsored by Bonnie Bell's Lip Smackers Flip Gloss Floop Floogies. Perfect. <laughs> so close. <laughs> Loops. Amazing. Is it wet? This has been a production of Mess and Finesse, a comedy label based out of Somerville, Massachusetts. If you want to hear more of this program or shows like this, please send us an email at admin at messandfinesse.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at M-E-S-S-A-N-D-F-I-N-E-S-S-E dot com. And for more content, directory of programs, or information on live shows and comedy classes, please visit messandfinesse.com or follow us at Mess and Finesse on social media. Thank you for listening.